Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. You are responding to the needs of another person more than your own for a long time. And so your cortisol is elevating in a reactionary mode. And so we need to pull ourselves back for a second and like take the reins again, you know, because to be the best mom that you can be and the healthiest and the most healthy balanced mama you can be, you've got to step back and take the reins. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Chris here, and I am back with another guest interview today. I think today's topic is one that is oftentimes overlooked as something that we can actually control and something that we can actually actively work towards creating change in. And that is the topic of stress and living a less stressed life. I think many of us know that we can choose positive coping mechanisms for our stress Oftentimes we don't realize, or sometimes we realize too late, the physiological implications of the stresses that are going on in our life. So the physical manifestations of our stress, whether it be inflammation in our body or inflammatory conditions that we have that have flared up, or the mental emotional stress. And so many of us are walking around at different stages of stress and burnout. And especially with the year that we have all had this past year, I think many of us are feeling really helpless in this area of stress and not really knowing what we can do about it from 
an active standpoint or just feeling like, is there anything I can do about it? There's no way to run away from the stress. So how, how can I, how can I actually deal with this if it's something that's unavoidable? So today's guest is a guest who is an expert when it comes to living a less stressed life from both a physical, physiological standpoint, and then she also brings in the emotional side of things. So she not doesn't just talk to us about the physiological things that might happen when we're stressed. She also talks about how we can tackle this from an emotional level. So she talks about the physical, she talks about the food, she talks about the emotional. And today's conversation was one that I think is just going to be such a breath of fresh air for so many of us who feel like we are out of control of the amount of stress that we have in our lives and that there's not much we can do. She really, really puts it into perspective that we have so much more control than we think. There are so many things we can do and there are so many different ways we can approach it and she doesn't share about it in a way that is overwhelming, but in a way that's really, really simplified and really encouraging that there is always something we can do for our stress. So I am just so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Krista Bigler. Krista Bigler is an award-winning dietitian, nutritionist, online educator, and host of the Less Stressed Life podcast. She specializes in helping others increase their performance and uplevel their happiness by addressing gut health-related issues and inflammation, including digestive issues, eczema, brain fog, fatigue, joint or muscle pain, migraines, autoimmune conditions, and food sensitivities in her private practice. She's the creator of the Less Stressed Approach to Eczema and Fast Track to Fabulous programs and has been a guest on other podcasts and lectures. She enjoys coordinating the local unicycle club with her family, skiing, grocery shopping, dirt biking, and visiting higher elevations. So without further ado, let's dig in to what it means to live a less stressed life with Krista Bigler. Welcome, Krista. Welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to have you on. We have a great topic we're talking about today. I mentioned before we started recording that I can't believe we haven't had a full episode on stress. So I am so excited to dig in with you for all of my listeners. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about this topic. It was a very accidental topic for me to even be talking about in the first place. And now I feel like it's such a huge piece. I I know we want to define it in so many ways. And I think we often think of stress as sort of a, we can often think about it as sort of a negative term or, and I'm not saying it's a positive term, but we, we associate it with being um, a wound or, or Mm. uh, we want to, we want to just go ahead and bury that. Like, sure. I'm stressed, but I'm fine. Or, you know, it's sort of like a burden term, I guess I'm I'm blanking on the exact term I want to use, but we need to normal, normalize like all the things how we work through these things. Right. Um, There's a lot of different types. And so I know we'll be able to dig into all the, all the realms of stress today. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so good. So I love starting in on just a fun, quick little icebreaker. And I would love to know what you are reading these days. That is a great question because I am in the middle of working on this stress thing, this adrenal program. So, and I'll talk, I can talk about adrenals because I think it's important to understand the physiology behind things, but I am um, reading a book on circadian rhythm 
which circadian means about a day, right? We know what circadian kind of is, but my favorite, I, I'm going to sum it up like this. It's all about Zeitgeber, which in German, Zeit means time and Geiber means giver. And so circadian rhythm stuff is like the food, light, and other things that program our circadian rhythms, which give us back time and energy and all those things. So I'm reading about circadian rhythm and I've got, um, and as a side note, like I grabbed this old 1980s book on jet lag. There was a jet lag protocol. Like if you cross more than a few time zones, some things you can do to like adjust things before. And so you don't feel like crap for a week afterwards. So I'm kind of simultaneously like digesting that quickly to be able to talk to my um, adrenal class people about it. Oh, that is so cool. And so relevant to what we're going to be talking about today with hormones and, oh my gosh, so many things. So you had started as an integrative dietitian nutritionist, focusing primarily on eczema and inflammatory conditions. And you even wrote a book on eczema and our cookbook, and we will, we'll share all of those links in the show notes, but you've also become passionate about stress physiology, especially for moms, like you told me. And I told you before we started recording, I, I don't know a single mom who doesn't feel like she struggles with stress and doesn't feel like stress is something that's heavy in her life. And especially with <laughs> the last year that we've had, year plus that we've had, I think this is a common, I guess, struggle for a lot of moms and a lot of women. So I would love to know how you became interested in how stress affects our bodies and kind of your journey into diving deeper into this. Yeah, it was accidental. So in 2017, 2016, maybe when Facebook Live, whenever Facebook Live was sort of the rage or it was the new thing on the scene, I would go live and I would do, I would do cooking stuff and whatever. And I would go, I would sometimes want to go on and talk about topics around inflammation. And what I noticed was the people that were listening were just the people who knew what that meant, word meant already. And I was trying to it's a big, it really is kind of a gray term, as is stress, honestly. And so not long after this, I was at a conference. Some big podcaster was there making a big, compelling argument about why you should podcast. And when I was trying to come up with a name for my podcast, I was trying to think of a name. I, w- I knew I loved that umbrella of inflammation type things because it was what I, what I was practicing in. Um, but I was looking for a little bit more of a layman term. And so I came up with stress, right? Cause that was like the most layman's terms that that means stress and inflammation are almost synonymous to me, honestly. And we can talk about buckets of inflammation and stress, but so I named the podcast that, and it changed nothing. The people who listen still know are still health professionals and savvy women who are just care about this topic. They're there for the topics, not because of the title. And so that's where it started because I was doing, I was helping people reduce inflammation dramatically very quickly. And it was super fun. Uh, and then it, it, it really broadened and worked on other areas. So it's a gray term. It's a big term. And really, I always say, I like to oversimplify things. One of my favorite podcast interview or host quotes, I think this is a John Lee Dumas quote. I think he says, if this was easy, what would it look like? And so I'm always saying, even though things often, you know, things can be complex, but at the same time, what if we oversimplified things? So I always tell people I'm rather boring. I'm oversimplifying. I'm really talking about like gut stress, liver stress, adrenal stress. Like I'm supporting the organs that do so darn much for us. (laughs) And then it helps relieve so many symptoms. So for me, it's sort of a, maybe not the story you expected, uh, but it's like, Hey, how do we like help people understand this? Oh shoot. It's still not working. (laughs) How do we continue to educate on like, it's more than just, Oh, I'm stressed. There's a lot of, a lot of different pieces here. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love that 
You know, I know as someone who has been in this health and wellness world for the better part of a decade that, you know, inflammation and stress are basically synonymous when you really boil it down. But I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. And I think that it is this this term inflammation seems like this like really big and this really heavy and this really nebulous term like what is inflammation? Am, am I inflamed? Am I struggling with inflammation unless somebody specifically said that you are struggling with an inflammatory condition. I think there's, it's thrown around a lot in the wellness world, but they might not know, okay, this is an inflammatory condition or I am dealing with inflammation or, but when you say stress, everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm stressed. Oh yeah. I'm totally stressed. I'm stressed in my life. I'm stressed in this area. I'm stressed in that area, but how it actually relates to our body and our body's functioning and just our day-to-day life, I think is something that is oftentimes misunderstood. And so I, I love that you kind of bring those two together and I can definitely see how, you know, this is a, a really, really important topic for health professionals. And then also just, you know, the average everyday woman, especially, especially busy moms. So I would, I would love to just um, dig in a little bit and just talk about kind of how the daily stresses of life. So I'm speaking to mostly, mostly moms here on the podcast. Like I mentioned before, it's like 96% women. So we're mostly busy women. We are oftentimes those women who have a lot on our plate, who are constantly giving. And oftentimes they identify as someone who is stressed. I'm I'm using quotations, which you can see, they can't see. (laughs) So how do the daily stresses of life affect our body on a physiological level? And maybe what are some of the signs that women might be experiencing those daily stresses really starting to affect our physical body and maybe even inching towards this place of burnout? I know that's a big question, but I'm just going to let you take it. (laughs) I'm going to back it up and um, divide it in piece by piece. So first you were talking about, okay, we can identify with stress and what are the, I want to talk about the buckets of stress at some point, but inflammation, let's just talk about what that actually means. Inflammation isn't, our body's always trying to protect us. So inflammation is inherently protective. If you stub your toe, it inflames, right? And so what that means is like cells go to that. It's like firemen dispatch and it goes to that spot helps. It helps. Um, the inflammation is there to like, we're going to go there, put out the fire, right? And then we're going to be healed. So if you can't heal very quickly, or if it feels like something doesn't heal very quickly, that's a red flag. Something's not okay. Okay. So skin stuff doesn't heal quickly or something's not healing very quickly. Um, the other thing that can be going on is When you have long-term stuff or stressors, so I'll just go up for it. My stressors are, or the buckets are first, like we all have the stresses we have perceived. We have real physical over-exercise, under-eating, emotional, environmental, microbiome related. I, again, oversimplify into buckets. So I say that we, we have these, these are the stressors that are going to be roadblocks and you're not going to resolve a lot of symptoms until you correct these roadblocks. So one is regular stress. Okay. And actually, I'm going to use each of these as a talking point and tell you how this is stressful or like what kind of symptoms you might manifest. So when we have regular stress, we have essentially cortisol going up. And I said earlier, adrenals. So adrenals are bean-shaped glands or organs that sit on top of the kidneys and they secrete stress hormones like 
cortisol, which is essential without it, we would die. And it goes up when we need to fight or flight and it goes down. It should rise in the morning to help us wake up and it should go down at night so we can go to bed. Um, it also secretes aldosterone, a DHEA. These affect how blood pressure and blood sugar um, relate. So hanger, <laughs> um, there's a lot of potential manifestations of why you get hangry, hungry, angry, um, or have low honestly, low blood pressure, usually with like major adrenal problems, um, or feel dizzy or lightheaded standing up or feel crappy after intense exercise. Those are like major red flags of major adrenal burnout. Like that's the worst. Actually for me, when my adrenals are starting to get tired, one, I just like feel drained and two, I can literally have a little lower back pain. That's a little weird, um, and different. Um, but awareness is your best friend. So when stress or cortisol goes up, um, our body is going to try to protect us. And so it's going to steal from other places to mitigate and buffer things. So, um, like there's certain nutrients like phosphatidylserine, for example, will buffer cortisol. Um, and it's, it's like a calming, it's a, it's a calming nutrient. Um, some of my other favorite ones would be it dumps when cortisol goes up, it dumps magnesium. And when magnesium gets dumped, that creates a really interesting domino effect in the gut, um, that allows gut pathogens to come in and set up residence. And, um, and those, contribute to fatigue and make you feel like crap. They disrupt your sleep. So it's like acute stressor. So very commonly people will say, I'm like, when's the onset of these things? Well, maybe it was around college or when I was getting my master's or when I was in this stressful thing, because we're having these physiological reactions. So cortisol's up, we're dumping nutrients, magnesium deficiency might look like it's not, it does hundreds of things, but one thing it does is it, um, affects like twitching. So you can have an eyelid twitching. Um, so, and by the way, like caffeine and, and coffee will increase your cortisol too. So when I'm overdoing the caffeine and cortisol or caffeine or coffee, I am dumping my magnesium and I have to relearn this sometimes. I'm like, I should probably mm. back off a little bit. So super fun to relearn the same problem, same things over and over. This is reality. We are humans. And so we're very good at creating the same situations again and again, even after we've fixed them. So cortisol goes up, dumps magnesium, dumps serine, it dumps B5, um, hand eczema, by the way, is like a huge implication of that and huge in COVID from hand washing. And anyway, so that's just, that's my stress bucket, right? Like it's adrenals, it's cortisol. It's a lot of things. It's like a ton of things, lifestyle. So there's a bunch of things that goes into that, but stress inherently, if it's running away and it's completely unchecked and you have fight or flight activated like crazy, it is very difficult to heal very well because if you cannot rest and digest, you cannot heal very well. Like you need, you can't be in constant fight or flight. So that's going to be a roadblock. Okay. So we got to bring that down. We got to improve all the things in that bucket or under that umbrella. My next bucket is toxins. And so, and I said this earlier, I said, I'm very boring. I'm like adrenals, liver, gut, et cetera. So now we're in toxins. And so, um, there's actually multiple mechanisms of elimination through the skin, our lungs and respiration, um, kidney, liver, et cetera. Huge topic. What does this look like? It might look like acute sense of smell. It might look like um, I'm retaining fluid. It might look like I'm sensitive to um, chemicals or I already said smells or have skin manifestations. Um, if you have a heavy period and you have excess estrogens, um, this is like a nice tangible thing. We want to put less stuff in the top of the funnel. So from a toxin perspective, when we're consuming xenoestrogens like plastics and things, your body's recognizing that is too much and it can't metabolize it, break down, move it out. So anyway, you know, we got to quit dumping so much in the top of the funnel of each one of these buckets, right? So we've got stress, toxin stuff. And I spend a lot of time working on food issues and gut issues for people. And honestly, 
they're very related. All of these are related, right? Like nothing is super in, but these are like, give us pillars to work through. Um, so when you've got gut imbalances, I talked about this earlier and I'd like to just talk about like the immune system is largely in the gut. And when you have high stress, it's going to suppress the immune system or secretory IgA or SIG IgA cells in the gut. So those are immune system soldiers for your ability to fight things off. And so it's really just incredible how after a stressful time, you've probably all experienced this. Like I went through a, a trip or I did this. I had these, I had this thing I had to finish. And afterwards I got sick, right? Mm-hmm. I suppressed my secretary IJ and I allowed things to come in and set up residents got sick, right? So it suppresses your immune system on its own. Um, so gut stuff. I mean, I mentioned earlier when you have that stress cascade and you're losing magnesium, you allow gut b- bugs to come in and set up residents, which is I could talk about all day. And then when you have gut imbalances, they create food reactions, honestly. And so people will have, uh, that's usually a, a something, something people Google and they find like, Oh, I should clean up my diet. And I start to have a improvement in symptoms and that can be awesome and great. Um, and so food can be, be, uh, inflammation causing stress causing things. So, I mean, again, we could, I give you four buckets, but I could talk about it in a million different ways. When you have gut stuff, you're not going to digest and absorb nutrients, right? So nutrient deficiencies become an issue. So it's like, it's complicated, right? It was first a simple discussion and now it's like, Holy smokes. She just went over all this stuff. Like I talked to someone this week and she said, I was explaining how this works together. And she said, well, that makes sense because last year my allergies got like stupid bad all of a sudden. And if you have adult onset bad allergies, um, it's the same kind of mechanisms. It needs to go mm-hmm. like the gut bacteria really affect how well you're going to mitigate those um, natural neurotransmitters that go through your body. So it's like uh, alarming and overwhelming. And also, uh, by the way, self-awareness is your best friend through this, because if you ignore it, you push, I always say, I have these like kind of, um, there, there are categories of burnout, but I've simplified them again into three. And so, you know, one is like alert, like your body's like, Hey, I'm trying to send you some messages, your eyeballs twitching. Right. Second is like, eh, I don't feel my best, but I'm just going to keep pushing through. Cause this will probably end, but it never does. We can, we create a set point where we're like, we push through to exhaustion and you find yourself like that in early motherhood. Um, because it is a, it is a challenging time. And one of the challenges is that you are responding to the needs of another person more than your own for a long time. And so your cortisol is elevating in a reactionary mode. And so we need to pull ourselves back for a second and like take the reins again, you know, because to be the best mom that you can be and the healthiest and the most healthy balanced mama you can be, you've got to step back and take the reins. And if you would ask yourself, like, what's my perfect day? I ask people that and the answer is almost always the same. It is almost always the same. It's like, oh, I'd love to just like sit by myself for a little bit in the morning with some quiet and like drink something, read a, something. And I'm like, everyone wants the same thing. Everyone just wants some like calm and some whatnot. And not everyone, not every mama can do that in the stage that their baby's in um, to have. But like what I'm asking for you, the first thing that we can do here is like step back be assessed that like we are constantly in reaction mode. There's two modes reaction and pro proactivity. Right. And so like, if you can step back and say, how could I be more proactive today instead of reactive, how could I like inhale for myself before I like breathe for everyone else in my family today? I think that would make a substantial, di- I mean, that makes a substantial difference. Right. Cause like if we ask ourselves when we're the most our worst selves, it's usually because we're reacting, like we're on a chain reaction of reactions. Mm. So, yes. Oh my gosh. And 
It's so interesting. I think there is unfortunately still this like societal expectation that as moms, we, it's funny because we, I feel like we hear these two things. We hear the, oh, you're supposed to fill your cup first before pouring out to others. But at the same time, there are all these expectations that like, as a mom, you are supposed to do this for your kids and this for your kids and take care of your kids and, and make sure that you're being the absolute best mom ever. And yes, we should all be the best version of ourselves for our kids. But like you said, a lot of that has to do with making sure that we are taking care of ourselves first. But oftentimes I feel like the messages that we're receiving in society are still like, do all these things for your kids, but also take care of yourself. And we're like, okay, so how do I manage all of this in my actual everyday life as a mom. And when I tell people, um, sometimes I'm hesitant to tell people about my own kind of morning routine and the things that I do to take care of myself, because I am still, even in this place where I talk to moms about finding balance every single day, I get worried that they're going to judge me. And I I do get a reaction sometimes because I wake up an hour and a half before my kids and I have a whole morning routine that I do to take care of myself before the kids even get up. How old are your kids though, Kristen? Well, right now they're seven and three. So I do, it's not like that. (laughs) It's not Mm -hmm. like that. That's your stage of life right now. You can do that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely not like that one. But you know what? When my little one, when my three-year-old was really, really young, I still did my best to take a little bit of time to myself in the morning. So I would, she would wake me up in the morning because I was at a point where she would wake up so early because she was still nursing. And so I would nurse her and then I would hand her over to my husband and he would put her back down and I would go and spend like a half an hour just reading and centering myself in the morning because a couple years prior, actually um, about about a year or so prior to becoming pregnant with her, I had a crazy, crazy adrenal burnout experience. And they diagnosed me with, uh, you know, chronic fatigue. That was what they diagnosed me with, which they, to, to which they told me to just relax. There's really nothing you can do, but, and, and I did, and I had to learn how to manage my own stresses. I have this whole long story of, you know, over-exercising and under-eating and trying to be the healthiest I could be. And ending up the most unhealthy that I had ever been, of course. Um, And I'm saying, of course, like as if now looking back, I'm saying, of course, but being in it, I was obviously not realizing that because I totally, totally and completely burned out. And I saw several practitioners to really try and get my my hormones back into balance, um, stress hormones. I also had some issues with I, I have PCOS. I had all of these different stress related symptoms that were I was dealing with, and one of the things that I I switched in my life was doing workouts first thing in the morning was like my number one. I was like, oh, that's the only time I'm going to be able to get my workout in, which is not true. If you want to move your body, there are other times that you can do it. (laughs) Um, But I was doing these like super intense workouts first thing in the morning. And instead of doing that, when I had totally burned out, I started turning that into a morning routine that was actually taking care of myself before I like jumped into the day. And you know, when, when friends hear this or when I talk to the women that I work with and I'm like, yeah, I do. I wake up an hour and a half before my kids. Now it wasn't always like that. It was, you know, 20 to 30 minutes when my daughter was a newborn just to center myself. But it was something that I had to learn through experience and through like my own burnout (laughs) of going, I have to take care of myself or else I'm not going to show up well. When I was totally burned out, I was falling asleep sitting up when my daughter, my oldest was um, three 
she was like between two and three and I wasn't being a good mom. I wasn't even taking care of her like in a way that was really safe and healthy for her. And so I'm just, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I know my own experience is that, yeah, we are all in different seasons. And so we're going to have to find a way to take care of ourselves in whatever season we're in. And I'm sure you have so many suggestions for that. And I want to dig into that. Um, For me, it's my morning routine, but um, I'm so with you that it is so important that we find those ways to take care of ourselves so we can be the best mom we can be. And so we, you know, can continue to be the best mom we can be. And we don't end up in this like constant cycle of stressed and burned out. And then, okay, now I'm, I'm back a little bit and then going back kind of into that again. So Um, (laughs) I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but I really just kind of wanted to share a little bit of my own experience because I'm like over here cheering going, yes, yes. And I know we're all in different seasons. So can you maybe just share for the woman who's listening, who's like, oh my gosh, I am experiencing some symptoms in one of those different buckets. And maybe they are in a life season that feels hard to do something like Kristen's hour and a half morning routine. (laughs) where do they start and where do you recommend they go? Okay. This is maybe identifying where they're feeling or where the stress is coming up. Um, and then maybe first steps to start to take depending on what, what season they're in. Sure. One, I'll comment on your story because I think it's very relevant and very relatable and whatnot. And I think you said you were going through major adrenal stuff, before your youngest was born as mm-hmm. well. Is that right? Yeah. So I think it's fortunate that you were able to conceive her only probably because you changed things because mm-hmm. your brain sends a signal to your ovaries to produce your sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. And if it feels threatened, uh, long-term threatened, long-term, it may... um divert resources away from producing hormones appropriately to do other things. And all the buckets I was talking about almost completely with the exception of like, I would maybe add blood sugar and nutrients, but I still bundle those in those other buckets that those are the things that affect your hormones in case you're wondering, like Mm -hmm. it drives me crazy. Hormones are secondary, like weight gain, for example, is secondary often to like what else is going on root cause. Right. And so hormones are not on their own a root cause. They are like these things affected this hormone production Mm. essentially. Right. So there's stress hormones as we talked about cortisol, et cetera, and then sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. So anyway, I wanted to mention that. And when we're trying to like back up and figure out what to do, um, you have to have a little, have you ever noticed how you do your best um, thinking in the shower? (laughs) And not everyone has a silent shower. I get this. And I'm sometimes I'm still like my youngest is now seven. And I'm like, really? You still needed to come here? (laughs) Tell me this right now. (laughs) And that's okay. But my point is, don't you think well in the shower? Cause you had a little bit of white space to think. Right. Um, and so I remember also having like jobs where I'd commute and forget to turn the radio on because you're unraveling from the day and you need like that space. So we need to have those pockets of space and you're talking about something that may not be attainable to people. And it wasn't attainable to you either at first, right? You started with, like you replaced, you didn't find more time. You replaced something that was going on that wasn't serving you at that time because not tolerating high intensity workout is a very red flag of adrenal issues, right? 
and feeling crappier afterwards. It's like, mm-hmm. this isn't working by the way. Like this is very contraindicative for adrenal issues. It's burning it out further. So you use something that wasn't serving you and turn it into something that did serve you. And so I have a couple tactics and I want to mention that there was this guy I interviewed once and he said, you know, as I move through life and like learn things and like read and learn things, when I see the same messages over and over and over, I consider that a universal truth. Mm. And I would say that you don't need a thousand suggestions here today because what Kristen is sharing is a universal truth that a morning routine, but if you have like a one or a year old or less, I would say an evening routine, mm. it makes a difference. But let me give you a caveat because it doesn't need to be an hour and a half. It doesn't need to be 20 minutes. What if you could only do two things for yourself in the morning under five minutes? So I love this because it challenged, because anyone could do this, right? So I have personally a couple of things that I require and it's like light therapy for circadian rhythm. And I'm drinking electrolytes because the minerals in those are really supportive to the adrenals and do a lot. And we're chronically actually under hydrated, like, but I'm more into, if you can't, if you don't have good electrolytes, you can't get that stuff into the cell and electrolytes are more than sodium, potassium. They include magnesium and calcium. They're calming minerals. So that's a whole nother story. But my challenge here is, can you do something for yourself that are two things or five minutes? Can you stop and assess? So you brought this up too. So I'm like just echoing what you're saying. So morning routine allows you to be proactive instead of reactive. And if it's not in the cards to have a morning routine, then do something nice for yourself in the evening. Because if you can't do something nice for yourself in the evening, or if you are putting your kids to bed and then just like collapsing or feeling, and we have personality types like this. Like some people are like, I have to get all this done. Like I have to clean everything up just perfectly, right? Um, You have to recognize that because if we're like, ramping up our cortisol at night, it's going to be kind of hard to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So when we do something like I have a measure of success, uh, and I wrote this on my, I paid someone a lot of money (laughs) to have me answer this question. And they said, how will you know you're successful? And I realized that it was like this simple. I said, I will go to bed and get up early. (laughs) And that was the phase of my life that I was in, but like working all hour, like you're not productive and effective later in the evenings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, everyone's a little different. Um, I'm not saying this is uh, because I could go off on tangents here, but anyway, back to what can you do? Two things. What can you do under five minutes? And my second thing is this is how you create awareness. And when you put pen to paper here, this like things that you thought you knew in your brain, sometimes just like slap you in the face. So I like to draw, I like to just take a piece of paper and fold it vertically draw a line down the middle and put one side like as your zone of genius or only things that you can do. And the other side are things that you hate doing or you dread doing every day. And it's good to like call that out because the things that you dread doing that you hate doing are the things that are like dragging you down and bogging you down and distracting you um, and making you stressed out, honestly, usually. And I'm not saying you can change all of those things, but it gives you a great starting point to re- like look at it and say, yeah, but could I change this? And if you don't believe that you have control of your own life, then none of this is going to help you. No one can help you. No, if you don't believe you can have control, no one can help you, right? Because you are in control of things. And if you feel out of control, I would ask you, why do you feel that way? Right. And I would ask you to like, stop and create, like, we need to find the answer to that because technically we all are in control of ourselves. And if we're not, then there's something not quite right. Right. So that could be something going on there. But when we identify this, write it all down, brain dump it. There's no like perfection to this. Like you could just do this any old time. Like when you're feeling especially drained and crappy, Um, there's something magical about putting this down and realizing, oh, I thought only I could do this. But if you are, if you keep like a really open, 
if you if you take a detective or a really optimistic mindset, you can might say like, what could I get rid of right now? Cause I cannot do all of this, right? Like we are chronically, we chronically believe we have more time than we do. We chronically try to do more than we think we can do. And I think when we first acknowledge that we're not capable of doing some of the things that we are expected to, that's a good first step, right? I had a new client tell me the other day, she's on maternity leave right now. And she said her boss called her the other day. I think she's like halfway through her maternity leave. Unfortunately, she has 12 weeks. But she said her boss called the other day and what didn't want to call and tell her this, but they, you know, enrollments down at the university and, uh, you know, someone got laid off or someone quit or something. So they're going to go ahead and re-delegate that person's half job to her so she can have like two jobs now. <laughs> um, so anyway, my point is, is like, sometimes we are very unreasonable, right? Like, and so we have to take a, uh, we have to stop and say like, what is reasonable and rational and going back to since, you know, I was talking all about health. If you feel like crap, you can do a lot less, mm. right? If you are burned out, if you feel like crap, which by the way, affects all your other systems, you're not going to, I, re- you know, it's, I remember a time which, you know, you bury things from the history, but I remember a time where I didn't have the energy to clean my house whatsoever. Like I didn't even have that at all. Um, and I felt guilty about it and all of these things, but my self-awareness was like not amazing at that time. Cause I was living in a cloud. And so this is here to help you with let, Hey, let's just step back and look at the big picture and like, wh- how am I actually feeling? How am I actually feeling? And what can I do about that? And then let me see if like I can make a, the littlest tweaks for this week, right? What are two things I can do in the morning that are for myself or in the evening? Whatever. Either one. It's fine. Set yourself some alarms. Make yourself a list of what you hate and what you love and start reevaluating. Oh, I love that you simplify it so much because I am all about simple simplifying things. And I should mention too, when I mentioned that my routine is an hour and a half in the morning, almost an hour of that is reading. And that is, I don't have this whole crazy thing that I do. Um, I do some journaling. I do some meditation. I have a couple things that I do, but most of it is reading. And it's like, you know, it's things that I don't have to do if I do get cut short, if my kids wake mm-hmm. up, if it's not something that stresses me out more but it grew from something that was just a couple minutes. It grew from me doing a five-minute guided meditation and that being the only thing that I had time for and then doing a, you know, a couple minutes of journaling when my daughter was kind of in that newborn stage. And then eventually I started adding more and adding more. And now I am where I am because that's what feels good for me. Um, but I love that you simplify it down to like, what are just two things you can do? Because I think that feels really doable. The hour and a half doesn't feel doable for many, many people. And it isn't doable, like you said, for many people. But simplifying that down and that just gave me like a breath of fresh air going, oh, what if I do get frustrated sometimes, you know, when my three-year-old, she is only three, she'll wake up in the morning sometimes and she'll be like, hey, mama. And I'm like, it is 5 (laughs) a.m. Why are we partying now? It's mama's reading time. But you know, it is what it is. And usually we sit on the couch and read together instead. That's what we do. But instead of getting frustrated, if I really just focused on, okay, what are the two things? Then I I can let the rest of it go. And so mm-hmm. it feels really, really freeing to me. And I think that's going to feel really freeing to a lot of the women listening. And I love that. I love the idea of the two lists. And 
as you're talking, I'm also thinking of a couple of the things that I'm like, okay, how can I, do I have to do that? Do I have to do the laundry? Okay. I guess I have to do the laundry. <laughs> Maybe eventually Is I can hire someone to do laundry. <laughs> someone does fold my laundry every week. And it took me oh, like so two nice. years to find someone that actually showed up and did it. <laughs> and I don't think she really like enjoys, but she's become like this kind of grandma and she's like very reasonably priced. And so she's kind of become part of the family. And I realized, cause I was getting, you, you identify, like I was so angry <laughs> while I was doing like, I was just so grouchy. And so yeah. I was like, I have to remove this for my mental health. And I just decided like, this is probably the best money. I would like give up a lot of other things to have it, but that was personally me. And I yes, think if we yeah. immediately say to ourselves, like, I can't do that. And there probably is a time where you can't do that. Right. There probably is a time where it's just like overwhelming. And it's, you should probably just have a basket of socks and hope that people can just pull out of there. You know, cause I freaking hate socks. They're so yes. stu- They're stupid. <laughs> and I try to buy my kids the exact same ones. <laughs> so we don't have to sort socks. And then they get Christmas socks and they all have different ones. And I'm like these stupid socks anyway, <laughs> side notes. And I would say also when you're trying to pick those two things, it can't be like a 30 minute activity, right? It's like a one minute thing. What can you do in one minute? Yeah. That's like, you know, you needed to do this, but it's going to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very simple things. It's like looking at the sun, it's doing like, like, going, like getting a breath of fresh air, like saying what you're grateful for. And when you start like that, it just changes so many darn things, I guess. So, and actually, you know, let's talk about like positive science here because your immune system, like when you improve opioids or positive endorphins, it improves your immune system. It like dampens down these inflammatory immune cells. It dampens inflammation. And so there's things you can do socializing, laughter, having a positive attitude, um, being with your partner, dancing, playing, all of those are good. And as a side note, when you were talking about instead of feeling interrupted, so I think I have like probably ADHD. I, you know, when you read about things, you're like, I probably have this. I think now that I, <laughs> now that I understand it more, cause I get really, fr- like I, it takes me a while to focus and I get really frustrated when I get interrupted or like it just, anyway, it's, it is what it is. Um, and I'm saying that like jokingly, but not, uh, because maybe it makes me feel better about myself. Anyway, my point is, is, um, I get frustrated by interruptions and what you were saying is you're not getting frustrated. You're reading together. And I saw something the other day that made me feel really good as a parent. And it was like reading to your kids is like all the love languages, right? It's like touch. I love you. Like, you know, I can't remember mm. all that, but it made me really happy to see like, Oh yeah. What if we just oversimplify things and realize like, Hey, this is good too. So mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think so many of us could use more simplification than we even, than we even think, you know, we can always simplify things more. We can always make them easier to understand. We can always make life easier. And I think oftentimes we get stuck in this mindset of, well, it's always going to be this way and it's not, there's no way to make this easier. It just is what it is. But when we do take a step back, it is, it's the mindset. When we take a step back and go, wait, there, there is always another way. So I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit because I am so curious about this. So I listened to a podcast episode of yours recently and, um, 
it was based on personalities, specifically the Enneagram when it comes to stress and the kind of the Enneagram approach to feeling less stressed. And so I had um, an Enneagram expert on the podcast last, uh, last February, actually. So about a year ago now, um, I guess we're in March now, which is crazy, but about a year ago now. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about personality types and how this might affect our burnout type and then kind of our subsequent need for relief. So I know that you did a whole episode on this and I'm actually, I'm going to link it below because I think that it would be helpful for anyone to listen to, but how does our personality type affect this when it comes to our stress and maybe our tendency towards burnout? Mm-hmm. Well, I am, I like to speak Enneagram language and some people have different personality types that they're into. And I think sometimes things are not accidental. Um, and when I, I knew I was interested in this way back when, and then I started listening to some books and anyway, it just sort of, it was funny how it like intersected between my professional, personal faith, all, like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Whoa, this is all like coming to a head together. Um, so Enneagrams are nine types of of our tendencies essentially. And we have a healthy version and an unhealthier version. I know, you know, you've had an episode on it, but I'm going to talk about it briefly. So nine types, none are better or worse than others. It's just how we are a little bit. And again, like we have our general, like our greatest fear as that type, um, you know, our biggest, like the things that help us the most, the things that are, are most stressful. And the basic, the, the backbone of this is when you understand yourself um, you can lean into your best self, right? And if you don't, if you, this is, goes back to resistance or ignorance of stress. So, um, you might have the alarm stage and when you can recognize that I say, there's a couple things that if you don't have no one, I can't help you. People can't help you usually. And so self-awareness will massively accelerate you. Self-awareness is like, I can't even put a number on how huge it is. Your self-awareness because you can't help someone who doesn't think they have a problem. So that is, that is number one. And the second thing is mindset. And I have a whole thought about that, but another time. So anyway, behind me, which you cannot see, I have like a poster and it is all about, it's like every Enneagram Mm -hmm. and how it feels to be that particular type. Because even in a work setting, as I'm working one-on-one with clients, um, I really want to help someone like work in the way that works best for them. And when I understand sometimes how they are, like, for example, the type six is like constantly looking for reassurance mm-hmm. and need, and they're very cautious. They're very careful. Um, uh, they're like, they're scared. Like they're constantly scared of things. Then also like go crazy with things almost. And so when you see these, I feel like they, it's not like you're in a box. It's like, Oh, I thought I was the only one like that. And you have mm-hmm. to realize that like, there's a lot of other people walking around just like you. And it's fun to like, look up what is the negative for you. So for example, for me, I am the like achieving performing type. And so that can be a fault, right? Mm -hmm. Like my greatest fear is not being worthy, worthy, or not being useful to someone. And so, you know, when I'm constantly trying to plead, like it it creates this whole stress burden. And so my point is, you can go on truity.com. I think it's like the free webs, one of the free websites to like go find your Enneagram. I think it's fun to look at that and then like look up and I, the episode that I did has it. And then there's a thing. It says like, what, which number do you go to under stress? Because that self-awareness is huge. I mean, what's your Enneagram, Kristen? So it's interesting. I have been saying I'm an Enneagram one for about a year and I'm 
still pretty sure I'm an Enneagram one, but I also identify very closely with a three. So I, so I go back and forth between whether it's the inner critic based on myself or what other people think. So I would say I'm an Enneagram one, but there's also potential for a three there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing, like you can certainly identify. And the tricky thing was, you know, I always thought you could be like one with the other one, but a wing. So they'll say like, I'm an Enneagram wing, whatever. Those are only on either side of you. So if you Mm -hmm. were a one, you could only be like a wing two or a wing nine, you know, um, you know, with me, I can only be one or the other as well. Cause we all have those things. And like, we're never one thing per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think like looking at what are the positives under this number? What are the negatives under this number? Mm-hmm. And what does this person go to under stress? So for example, for me, um, I take on the negative tendencies of a nine mm-hmm. and the nine is the peacemaker. So it's the person who's like, where do you want to go to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to go? Right. So the negative tendencies of the peacemaker are like to just like numb out and not want to talk to anything or do anything or see people. Um, and so you might, re- you know, you might resonate with those, even if you're another number and that's fine, but you know, it like feels good to know that because my like extreme numbed out, burned out person is like, I don't want to talk about nutrition anymore. I'm going to scroll house remodels instead because it's like a total different thing or a break for my brain. And so it's good to realize like this is a coping tendency for this mm-hmm. particular person. And when you understand each other, it actually improves your relationships because you understand each other. And so like I was shocked to learn that my husband wasn't I didn't expect him to be an 8. I expected him to be more of a 7ish. Kind of flies by the seat of his pants, I feel like. And an 8 is a control person, <laughs> which was also like I was like, "Ooh." And you can actually Google um, relationship, your number and your mate's number. Um, and it can be, you know, it's always positive. They always spin it very positively, which is good. You know, they're never going to be like, you're, you're doomed. (laughs) They'll just say you can have a very fiery relationship because you both like to be in control or whatever. And this is something I knew, but it was fun to see because now it's not a source of stress. It Mm -hmm. is a, it is a source of understanding and empathy. And what kind of world would we live in if we responded more with understanding and empathy instead of like, this person must be out to get me. Holy smokes. Yes. <laughs> because a lot of your stresses are coming from people around you, even though you are responsible for your own stress response, which is back to like, uh, internal and nutritional type things. Like you can change your stress response on the inside. And that should be goals for us. Like that should be something mm-hmm. we're working on. Um, but sometimes we have stressors from the outside. Like we all have stressors from the outside. Like if I, if someone yelled at me every day in my work or whatever, that could be hard to be positive sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Cause because you start, like you become what you're around. So you have to be able to recognize that maybe step out of it and like reevaluate. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, how do you avoid this, <laughs> this yes. negative situation? Right. And so, or if it is it a negative family member or something, you know, and, and everyone's going through their hard things, you know, everyone goes through hard things. And so sometimes that person's lashing out is the negative aspects of this other number. Right. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, so I think it just improves empathy, right. That awareness, awareness of self. And then the next step is awareness of others and kind of what they're going through. So I've kind of like looked at my kids and like, I've, I've been, my oldest is 16 and uh, which is hard to believe. And she tells me also, and I did not expect her to be a three because I thought she was more of a people pleaser, but the other two, I'm like, oh yeah, you're this. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Anyway. So it's, it's a really nice way to understand people, which I think, um, helps our world go around better. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Well, I am just such a nerd about it. I love learning about my friends and you mentioned the six. I have a friend, one of my very best friends is a six. And I realized that she does need this reassurance that I don't need as a one. And I mean, I, I need to kind of get that within, right? Um, and she just thrives when I am just, you know, I have told her that I'm open to her coming to me and telling me what's, you know, stressing her out or, and she just needs somebody to be there to say, it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Sometimes she wants mm-hmm. advice. Sometimes, sometimes she doesn't. And just to be that kind of reassuring voice for her. And it has improved so many of my, my relationships. And it is interesting to learn where we go to in stress too, because then we can recognize that, I think, because we are all different. And so being able to recognize those responses within us, I think, can be really powerful. Just a different way. Like you mentioned, I love that you're mentioning there's the internal and then there's also the external. And so being able to recognize from different levels, from like the physiological things to also those, you know, those even personality type things when those those kind of red flags start to come up. Okay, this is the time where now I need to take a step back and I need to take care of myself a little bit better here. So kind of to um, shift back to the internal a little bit. So a lot of your a lot of your work and a lot of your expertise is in this area of you know physiological inflammation especially around things like eczema and gut issues so i i want to know um if we can dig just a little bit into for and so i'm someone who has i mentioned a couple of the things <laughs> The biggest things that have gone on with me in my life are my, you know, some adrenal issues due to a ton of stress that I really was really (laughs) self-inflicted and I'm, I'm laughing, but again, it, this is all in hindsight. Um, and I've also struggled with gut issues for a number of years as well. And it took me a long time to realize that a lot of the external stresses were contributing to a lot of the gut issues that I was experiencing. So I'm wondering if you can touch a little bit on how maybe our external stresses and that that could be, you know, the stresses of the world around us or also things like toxic burden. How do these affect women who are, or people just in general, who are already dealing with inflammatory conditions like eczema, like gut issues? Can you kind of share a little bit about that connection? Sure. Sometimes it's the straw that breaks the camel's back a little bit. And to oversimplify again, I will often tell someone any issue you are dealing with, you can look at through a few lenses or angles. So I I always use this triad as an example. And so depending on the situation, so um, I work with skin stuff, but I work with hormone and gut stuff and, and energy and whatnot too. But so I'll talk about it in a couple contexts, but the triad is it's physical or external or structural, right? So something external, structural, physical. Um, so example, I'm going to give a back pain as an example, right? So you can, if you have back pain, you might need to do something structurally. Something you may not have thought about is what's going on with your shoes and your heels because it's creating a little arch in your back. Um, but maybe you're going to go to someone to do some structural alignment or adjustments or something or physical therapy or something. So if you have back pain, you might do that. You might address those physical things. When someone has a child with outbursts, they might start with the natural thing, which is another angle, which is the emotional stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when someone back to the back pain one, so we got the physical thing, we've got the nutritional angle, which is a lot more than just 
diet, it's like micronutrient deficiencies, it's gut imbalances, it's et cetera. Um, and then there's the emotional piece. And so these have some crossover, but like back pain, we got our physical structural thing. We've got our what's causing inflammation that's exacerbating it and making it worse. And then from the emotional perspective, sometimes people like hold trauma, which is not like a, it could be car accident thing, right? Trauma can be that. It, or it could be someone who said something mean to you in third grade. And like you are continuing to react from that place. Sometimes it's like, great. This is like a big topic that continues to come up for me in interviews and discussions is that trauma doesn't have to be some big thing, but it's sometimes how we're acting out in our current life around things. So emotional things can be a big thing because again, remember our emotional affects our perceived stresses, which still affect our physiological response. So you've got to look at it from all angles. Now, when I'm working on like a skin issue, for example, the physical structural piece is like the integrity of the skin on the outside and what environmental factors are there. The nutritional angle is like, is there any food triggers? Is there gut imbalances? Is there toxin in situations where I got to help clear that up? And then the emotional piece, like stress really exacerbates certain kinds. And um, often, especially with skin issues, it's really common to have skin stuff as a child to grow out of it or for it to become asthma or allergies. And then as an adult, and I'm seeing this a lot right now because of the stresses of last year, now we have this new eruption. And before when you had it as a child, it would just be on the back of your knees and inside your elbows. And now as an adult, for some reason, it's manifesting on your hands and you will not find this in a book. But one of my mentors said this, and I like every single hand eczema case, there is a stress manifestation component and there's some mm -hmm. certain nutrients that get dumped, et cetera, et cetera. And like, there's a physical stress as well. Like we're hand washing all the time, right? So we're affecting that physical, external, whatever barrier. Um, but there's definitely a stress component of it. So I think that's really interesting. And I just try to always mm -hmm. say like, cause people often say I've tried everything. I'm like, it sounds like you've tried everything in like one category <laughs> or you've tried a lot of things in one category. And so usually you start getting like if you've got a kiddo who's got outbreaks, you've thought you've worked with a counselor for the emotional aspect, but now you're like, oh, maybe you should go to the chiropractor and get an adjustment. Maybe you should do some acupuncture. So those are physical, structural, whatever things. And then they might come to me as the nutrition person and say, oh, are there some things that are going on in the gut or some other imbalances that are affecting how you're making neurotransmitters? Because by the way, if you can't digest, assimilate and create things, you can, people will say like, can I trust my, test my neurotransmitters? I'm like, sure. What are you going to do with that information? Like mm -hmm. if your serotonin is low, it's made in your gut. So why don't we just mm -hmm. fix that instead? So um, I don't know if that answered your question a little bit, but it's like one way I like to look at things. I don't remember the other parts of your question. I apologize. No, I think that totally answers it. And I love, love, love that perspective because I mean, I'm not going as deep into the nutritional therapy or anything like that. Cause I'm, I'm not qualified for that with the clients that I work with. We talk a lot more about the emotional side of things and healing their relationship with food and just balance in life as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are those different, and I, you know, I refer a lot of my clients out when they are struggling with different areas of, you know, gut health or with, you know, skin issues, for example, those type of things as well, because there are those different, there are those different angles. And I think I love that you mentioned that oftentimes we do a lot in one area and we forget about those other areas, right? Mm -hmm. We forget that there could be an emotional component to it. We forget that there could be a physical component to it, that there could also be a nutritional component to it. And I love that you use the example of like back pain because 
oftentimes we don't think of back pain as something that could be related to an emotional issue, but it definitely could be. And we think of it as all physical and, and the same thing with a gut health issue and, and mental health issues, emotional issues, they are so interconnected, but oftentimes we think of them as two different buckets. So, um, can I give some more examples about the back pain thing? Because I was just thinking, more of them. Um, you know, there are people that clench their teeth at night and they create Mm -hmm. tension headaches. That is an emotional thing that's creating a physical response, right? Also like, um, getting tensed up from whatever your work or whatever, that'll create like scat, like on your back, upper back. And then that can be a lower back thing. I mean, sitting at your desk is a physical stressor. Like, so, uh, there's just like so many angles to look at this. And my Mm -hmm. goal is like, Hey, we're, I hope that this is really helpful because, you know, like you haven't even thought about these things. And we often go to the most natural thing, right? Like the most natural, obvious thing. If you have an emotional thing, it's like, must be an emotional problem. Right. But it's like, man, there's so much crossover. We're just not like, we're not, we don't live in silos, right? Like every system is super interconnected. So I, I mean, I haven't found an example that doesn't exactly relate, or you can't twist it to kind of work in that angled thing. Right. Because if you like your whole body could be tense and your all your muscles could be tense and you could have back pain or headaches or something from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because of like the emotional stress of you just accidentally being tense. I mean, literally, if you are tense and stressed, you're going to breathe out of your chest. I mean, like, I don't know many, like most of the autoimmune conditions I see, they're like chest breathers instead of, um, abdominal breathers, which is more associated Mm -hmm. with like abdominals, more associated with like the calming side of the nervous system. And your chest breathing is more associated with shallow, um, the fight or flight side. And so anyway, it's like your breathing (laughs) is programming your health. And so not to be overwhelming, like the goal here is not to be overwhelming. It's just like, there's a lot of opportunity. And so it's a positive, it's a positive spin. There's a lot of opportunity here to make improvements and to feel your best. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that you, that you brought that positive spin onto it. Cause I guess it, it can, for me, I'm all like, oh my gosh, I love talking about this, this is so fascinating. There's so many different moved, ways we can you've look gotten at through this. some health problems. Yes. Right? But for somebody who's deep in it, it can feel like, oh my gosh, there are so many things to think about. There are so many different things, but use the triad. Yes. It <laughs> it's simplifying it and going, okay, there's always something else I can do. There are options. There are different places we can look. There are different things we can do. And I, I do feel like that is so freeing. So, oh my gosh, I love that mm-hmm. so much. So I'm curious, Krista, I would love to know what living a less stressed life looks for you in your day-to-day. And I know we're all different, but I'm wondering if there are specific practices or foods or tools that you like to utilize to reduce stress, inflammation on a regular basis. Mm, That's a great question. And yes, I do. This is... um... This is like the accumulation of your life, right? Where you like continue to improve the set point. So I just want you to know that like, oh, Krista in 2021 likes this. Krista in 2020 likes this and you continue to improve things. So I think Mm -hmm. as long as we're moving forward each year, that's what, you know, even if you don't feel like your health might take a dump, but maybe like through that experience, you made major emotional gains for some reason or something, or you just decided wait a second, this is not working. So your major leap that year is going to be getting help with something. So anyway, um, cause this could be a long answer. I'll try to make it much shorter because it just, it's, 
it depends. So like living my best days are when I don't look at my phone right away. I go out, I look at the sunshine. I do like a touch of breath like I inhale, exhale, like be conscious of my breath, right? That looks really good for me. Those are like, if I get some sunshine and some fresh air, and I think of a hack for this, I don't have dogs, but I have a couple pigs and some chickens. <laughs> and so, um, it's funny how much I enjoy that. Like, it's almost stupid how much I enjoy going out and like watering them or like picking their eggs, probably because they run to me with love and not yelling at me to give them. I mean, they are yelling at me to give them things, but I look at it like they love me, (laughs) Uh, which not always your kids are doing sometimes. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they aren't. So for me, doing that thing in the morning, that is one programming my circadian rhythm. Like there's a bunch of health benefits here that I'm attaching to it, but like you feel good actually in Japan, they prescribe Shinrin Yoku, which is forest bathing um, Mm -hmm. or nature therapy. And I have a whole podcast about like, if you can spend 15 minutes in nature it improves your stress resilience for hours. And so, yeah. And so, um, actually like during this, during this season that we are in right now, even if the weather is not awesome, I am trying to go outside and then like do something for myself. Because if I get up and go straight into a thing, I have a not awesome day and I do not feel good. You know, what is ridiculous and stupid and silly, but we all do this. So I'm going to bring it up or we have all done this. Um, so I'm going to bring it up and depending on your season, you might be doing it right now. When I was earlier in my private practice, I would just like schedule, schedule, schedule and fill the calendar. And like sometimes people would accidentally book over at the top of my lunch um, that I hadn't, didn't have like a placeholder for, so they couldn't not do it. Mm-hmm. And then I would work and be hungry and do not cross me. Like I like to, <laughs> I like to eat. And so often our mood is getting so affected by like us accidentally under eating or not nourishing ourselves. And moms do this all the time. Cause we're like kind of walking around in a fog. Sometimes we're just, I can like tell right away when I look at someone's journal, like, Oh, you are not eating. Like, appro- <laughs> like I can tell you're like starved in starved like accidentally, right? Like, Oh, yeah. I didn't have a plan. So I had a block of cheese and like a bag of chips. And so then you're still hungry or do not feel awesome a few hours later. So living a less stressed life is like, and I don't necessarily meal prep, but I like put my supper, uh, leftovers in a thing. So I have something for lunch and you take, if you can take like a decent lunch break, it makes your whole day go better. And sometimes mine are too short probably. And it would be nice to have a little bit longer one, but it's funny if I have an extremely long day, but I have a little bit of lunch break in between there, I will not feel burned out at the end of the day. Mm. So I'm not telling you, like I'm, there's, there's the little things, what the things that you do every day matter more than the things that you do once in a while. And so when I failing, I just like pick myself back up and say, okay, I'm really sucking at this. How can I continue to trigger myself to do it? Right. How do I continue to try to make myself do these things that I want to do that are little, that are going to make a big difference, like hydration, eating, feeding myself. Right. Mm -hmm it's like easy to overlook. And by the way, it's kind of important. Um, and then I do, I'm always supporting, remember I'm boring. So I'm always supporting adrenal liver gut. And like, I know what I'm doing. So because I know my deficiencies and because I have a skin history, if I, for me, inflammation building up means just like, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Like I'm not popping up. Like I don't have good energy. It means I just feel like my face is like fuller. Like I'm a little inflamed there. It's like little subtle cues that I need to pick up on and mm-hmm. try to un- undo. And the more I do that, cause I have not good genetics. I have crappy genetics around my liver, crappy genetics for gut health. So if I don't kind of stay on top of it, I'll backslide because mm-hmm. I it's like, I have the cards for it. So if my lifestyle is supporting the cards 
for the crappy deck, um, that's what's going to happen. So I will like just do um, supportive things here and there or maintenance things I have tucked in like for detoxification support because yes, my body's always doing that, but because I genetically am not very good at it, I'm just going to give myself a little boost here and there because I'm in a good spot. And if I continue to give myself an occasional boost, I'm going to keep my overall inflammation bucket lower and I'm going to feel a lot better for me personally. I love that approach because I am someone who, you know, I have the gut issues that will constantly pop up and I know that not constantly, um, I shouldn't say constantly cause they don't constantly pop up anymore because They've I know popped the up more than that, once though. Yes, know? they have. Yep. And they, I will have flare ups and I can almost see them coming at this point because I'm not taking care of myself in the way that I know is good for my gut whether it's drinking too much caffeine and or too much coffee in general or eating the things that exacerbate my like acid reflux, things like that. And, you know, just not taking the supplements I know that feel good. And I, I can almost see it coming at this point. And so I, I take a very similar approach to making sure that I have some of those maintenance things in my life now so that I don't tip myself over the edge, but it still happens, right? It still happens from time to time. Um, so I, I love that though. approach. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. I love that approach that, you know, it's, you're taking care of yourself, but you're doing it in a way that is simple and doable and for your everyday life. It's, it's not this, I think there are a lot of um, health experts out there and, you know, like I mentioned my, my crazy morning routine, it's not actually that crazy, but there are a lot of health experts out there that are like, okay, I do these 50 things before 9am. And then I do these 50 things in the evening <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 how, how can I actually do that in my busy life? But even something as simple as making your, making sure that you have lunch. Like that's something I advocate to moms all the time. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so huge on talking about meal prep and just getting, it doesn't have to be, and you know, you prep all of your lunches at the beginning of the week. I don't do that either. Um, it's going, okay, do I have things on hand to make myself a quick lunch in the middle of the day and making sure that you're feeding yourself alongside your kids? <laughs> because I talk to you, I do talk to a lot of moms who struggle with what, um, they think is like an emotional eating where they'll go, oh my gosh, I get to dinner time and then I just like stuff myself silly and we'll talk about it and I'll go, well, did you eat lunch? And they're like, oh, well, no, I mean, I had a couple bites of my kids' chicken nuggets when I gave it to yeah, them. you're just hungry. Yes, you're Pretty just normal hungry. To be hungry. Yes. <laughs> so feeding yourself throughout the day is just one of those really simple but important things to live a less stressed life. Um, so I, I love that so much. So I'm wondering, um, just a couple more things, maybe some tips for the woman listening um, that you recommend. Actually, I would like to angle this in two different ways. So maybe if they are starting to feel that burnout, maybe some of the things we already kind of talked about recognizing it, right? And really getting to that place of going, okay, what, how can I maybe take away the things that aren't necessary <laughs> so mm -hmm. I can create that self-awareness. Maybe some things that you recommend adding and maybe some things you recommend avoiding. I know you did, um, I think it was an Instagram post a little while ago with some of the things you recommend avoiding if you're feeling burned out. So maybe a couple things to add and a couple things to avoid. Mm, good question. So kind of like, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. When you were feeling burned out, you realized that the intensive exercise you were doing was not serving you. 
And sometimes like, I think it just depends on your personality type and where you're at. You just need to assess, does this make me feel good or worse always? Mm -hmm. So whatever is making you feel worse. And there's some really common things that can make you feel worse. Like it could be getting crap sleep, um, which is not straightforward. I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but, um, sometimes we could be, we could stop and just assess whether it's a complicated topic or not. But, uh, when you're avoiding, you know, so that post came from someone asking like, what should I avoid when I'm, when I like to, to have burnout things. So, um, intensive exercise, if you're actually burned out is too much intermittent fasting usually is not your best friend. If you're burned out, um, you can't like your blood sugar is if you are actually burned out, your DHEA is challenged, which is helping regulate blood sugar. And so it tends to just add more stress and issues to it. Um, working on gut health as an aggravation for, um, burnout actually. Mm. Um, so yeah, like you, what you can do there is instead of doing something really intensive, you can do something restorative that just feels good. That is going to look like a walk. That is going to look like yoga. That might look like bar. It might look like Pilates. Like all of those would be fine. And they're going to, cause there's really only three types of exercise, right? Something stretching, lengthening strength and cardio something, right? So you can switch to one of the other ones from the cardio um, that's really hurting you. Mm -hmm. And when you're at, when you need to add, when you're feeling burned out, instead of doing um, like, especially this could be like a cat. Someone said this once. She's like, I have my like five minute routine. I have my Cadillac routine. Um, And so yesterday I was chaperoning uh, like 25 kids. We took them on this like ski trip and I had to drive three hours home and I was like skiing kind of hard. And so I was like, I was just like feeling like, blah, I was like dead. I was like, I was ready for bed. It was eight 30. I was ready for bed, but I went ahead and like poured a hot bath and put magnesium in it because there's multiple reasons for this. It's going to one be awesome for my muscles. I'm going to have a ton of topical mag- magnesium absorption, um, which is really good because it's an inefficiently absorbed nutrient that you need for calming the nervous system. It was good. I already mentioned the muscles. Um, it's good for my, like it's technically good for my gut health um, as well. So anyway, I feel like really good. I've learned this. Like if I actually do that, which I know not everyone can do, uh, or we don't make time to do. Um, mm-hmm. but that makes me feel like so much better and I'm going to sleep so much better. I'm going to feel better the next day instead of feeling crappier the next day. Like, why wouldn't I want that? Why wouldn't I want to like jump out of bed the next day and feel awesome and not feel any side effects from that? So adding a bath or so if you have intensive exercise, doing something more restorative, if you have, um, if you are having adrenal burnout and caffeine is too much, taking a break from that and hydrating and I'm going back to like electrolytes a lot because it is Mm -hmm. a really common problem. Adding a bath um, is a great thing. Adding some gratitude is a great thing. And like prioritizing your rest and recovery. I mean, I could go on and on about this, right? But it's like, (laughs) what can you, uh, what is a trigger for you? And then what is something I can like change and do differently? I think a lot of people need to realize that like certain things on social media can be very triggering. If you find yourself triggered, you need to like hide that thing, right? Um, because it can make us feel crappy about ourselves or if we're like continuing, like we need to stop and say like, is this deflecting from like the person I want to be as well? And like, when I, when I take this away for a while, does it help me add these other things that are more nourishing? What do I take away that's stressful? And what do I add? Because what you're asking is actually a very important, simple question. Like if I was going to oversimplify everything we do, it's like, let's take away the stressors and add the nourishment. (laughs) Right. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) 
I, I feel like that is like the the best place to start to wrap up, right? Because we could, oh my gosh, we could still talk for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> but I think, yeah, taking away the stressors and adding in the nourishment is so, so huge. And I think so many of us could use that simple reminder in these days where it just feels like life is heavy, where it feels like life is stressful. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It doesn't have to be something where we need to overhaul our entire life. It can be just what are the big stressors? What is stressing us out? And how can we take those big things away? Or maybe they might even be little things, but that they're big things to us and adding in the nourishment in its place. It was a, it's a really good reminder for me to take more Epsom salt baths too. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have some interesting stories about like how pivotal they can actually be. It's like ridiculous. It's like simple and it's cheap, but it's like so efficient for absorbing this mint nutrient that you need so much. Yes. It's like kind of awesome. Yes. <laughs> so good. So I'm wondering if you have any final words of encouragement for the mom listening who might feel stressed, who might feel burned out, and she might feel like she's not sure where to start when it comes to finding balance, though I'm pretty sure you've given her a lot of really great starting places today. Do you have any any final encouragement for her? Well, one, you're not alone. Try to surround yourself with like some good people, right? Like Surround your, and if you if it's not people, surround yourself with some kind of positivity. Like fill your brain with some positive whenever you're able to. Because if if something if all that you have is like negative stuff bringing you down, it's going to be hard to see the positive. So that would be my number one thing. Because once you start like surround like putting positive in, you're going to see the world is more positive. I think, and that's kind of like step one into moving into that positive, optimistic growth mindset. Because if you're in a fixed mindset, which these are made pop popular by Carol Dweck. If you're in a fixed mindset, there's nothing anyone can do to help. But if you're in a growth mindset, the sky is the limit on what you can do. So surround yourself with some positive, like find something that is positive, right? If it's a pod, like a five minute thing, is it prayer? Is it something that's pod? Like whatever it is, you can't have too many things that you could pour into yourself. That's positive. Um, and once you do that, like the rest of these things can come out, right? Like you can, like you can brain dump what's serving you, not serving you. You can, create a, a two thing or a two minute thing in the morning. And these things are going to compound. Remember what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. And we all, we all need to step back and take an assessment, take a checkpoint, take a, like just a, a view of our life. Cause when we're swimming, I have this great analogy. Someone else gave me life is like snorkeling and when we're looking down snorkeling, we see a bunch of shiny objects. It's like, there's a starfish over there. There's something over there. And you need to look up every once in a while. Cause you drift. And it, so mm -hmm. like you may drift out to see and like be just totally out of touch with things if you don't look up every once in a while. And so that assessment and self-awareness is so big at like looking up every once in a while. So you don't like drift out to see. Oh, I love that. So good. <laughs> So I am wondering, I do have three fun, final kind of rapid fire questions I love to ask at the very end. But before I do that, um, can you just share where my listeners can connect with you and the work you do? I would love to. So we're talking a lot about stress and, and burnout and things today. And I do have, and I was talking about the levels of that and I do have a quiz on this. Um, and it's got some, and like right now the, uh, emails that go with it are like heavy science on like, Hey, 
this is like the stuff that you should know about this, depending on where your, your phase is. But if you'd like to assess your a stage of where you are, it's an, it's an adrenal assessment and it's kristabigler.com forward slash burnout. If you go to kristabigler.com forward slash links, it's got everything. It takes you to the last stress life podcast really easily. Like we have perfected this page, it takes you to the podcast, takes you to like other resources around gut health and things. Um, but yeah, I think the one that makes the most sense is Krista Bigler forward slash burnout to kind of a, it's an, it's an adrenal assessment and then resources on what you can do with it. Awesome. So good. I will put that link in the show notes. So they'll be able to go right there and take the assessment. So good. Awesome. So because I like to share food in a way that's joyful, you know, I am a huge foodie and a chef. Um, I have three fun, final rapid fire questions. I love to ask every guest. And the first one is what is your favorite thing to cook? Mm, you know what? I remembered what you're supposed to add also when you're feeling stressed, which is carbs. Mm. Um, so my favorite thing to cook, cause I was just thinking about like how my favorite full-time food for my whole life was spaghetti, but I actually love Thai food. And I love to make Thai food. Um, I like to make a lot of things, but I love Thai food. I'm so glad you brought up carbs too. And the world of, um, I feel like now low carb is like the number one. That's what everyone tells you you should do. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's well, going you know, low I'm carb, reading, but not when you know, you're I'm doing, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm doing all that circadian rhythm research mm-hmm. and it totally like, you need the car. Like it's, it's actually kind of awesome that you can eat like a certain macronutrient distribution to like support your mood and energy throughout the day anyway. And carbs are part of it. Do mm-hmm. some complex carbs in the evening. So, so good. So my second question then again, related to food is if you're not cooking, what is your favorite thing to order or have someone else cook for you? Haha. <laughs> I wish someone else would cook for me more often. Thank you for that. Uh, sweet <laughs> comment. Um, And I live in a place where there's three people per square mile and there's like one restaurant in 40 mile radius. And so if you can even imagine what this looks like. So when I go on trips, I love to just go all out, honestly. And I like the weird thing or the most unusual thing. Not always, but like I'm going to order something interesting from the menu is going to be the answer there, right? Like if there's grapes in that pasta or if there's this, I mean, I don't care what it is. It's like, it's got to be interesting and full of flavor. And I... (laughs) you know, I like Thai food. So like, I like it when my nose runs when I, not all the time, but like if I'm eating good Thai food and it's got all this flavor, I mean, it's going to do that. Like, it's like those spices are intense. I love like flavor packed awesomeness. And so I want all the things to be honest with you. Like I really want all the things when I'm traveling, I'm having a, like, I am really focused on all the things I'm going to eat <laughs> when I'm away, <laughs> because that is not an option where I am very often. Not at all. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I'm the same way. And we do thankfully live in a vacation town. And so there are some really great restaurants around here, but they're all kind of the same eventually, right? It's like, okay, we've exhausted all the local places and it is, I do live on a small Island. So you've got to travel a little bit for, (laughs) for things that are a little bit more interesting. So I'm all about trying new things. And, uh, I love when I go to a restaurant and I ask, I, I, it's either the special, whatever's on special, whatever the chef's excited about that I typically ask for. Cause I'm like, okay, I want to know what they love. (laughs) That's what I want to order. So good. So my final question, because this is the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast, and we talk about balance in every area from food to movement to stress. What does your beautiful balance mean to you? Hmm, That was a good question. I mean, I think this goes back to the question that someone asked me and wanted to know, how do you know you're successful? And it's, I go to bed and get up earlier because 
everything else gets hinged on that. And I have to remind myself of it all the time because it's like the things that I want to do are not done, (laughs) but I'm not going to be productive anyway. And so I think like everything else gets thrown off if that's off. Honestly, I really do think it gets thrown off. So I'm a simpleton. I'm like, let me just make it really simple for you and really applicable. I'm just going to go to bed and start over the next day with good energy. So good. Such an important reminder for so many of us. (laughs) Hammer this stuff home, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, Krista, this was so good. I love all of the examples that you gave with the science and that you really did simplify it for the woman listening. I think she's going to get so much good advice and hopefully hop over to your podcast and all your resources, dig in further. If she's in the place where she's feeling like I'm stressed, I'm burned out and I don't want to take it any further. So thank you so much for your time today and for your knowledge. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the healthy balance mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.